I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby and welcome to a brand new episode of Grouping Harmony, the podcast all about music. Today we're going to be doing something a little bit differently, which I'm really excited for. I'll get into that in a second, but first off... On my typical shameless plug, I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you give that a like because I post on there whenever I have any updates about the podcast or whenever I release a new blog post for my music blog, Feeling Groupie. So for the music blog, I have two blog posts since the last episode. It's both of them entries in the 2021 Album Fictional Festival series. One of them a jam festival, one of them electronic festival. Be sure to check those out. I have a few others that are upcoming. Uh, the next one will be a classic rock one, I believe. And then, so there will be the classic rock one. Then, um, after that, then there's pop, there's metal one, and there's a bunch of others that are coming after that. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. And then I also have a basketball blog and a separate Facebook page for that one, both called Is Baller Trademark Yet? I haven't released anything in the last since the last episode, and that's just because I needed a break from writing on that one because the between the NBA Finals and the NBA Draft, that was a lot. So I'm hoping in the next week or two, one that will come out is, uh, while there's a lot that's been going on in both NBA and WNBA, one that I've been absolutely fascinated by still is Tina Charles uh, agreeing to a buyout with the Phoenix Mercury while on a decent contract and going over to uh, basically on a minimum for the remainder of the deal to try to win a championship. So when I, so be on the lookout for that one later on in the offseason. I'll also have some offseason grades because I want to watch things shake out a little bit more with that. So be on the lookout for all that. Now, before we get into this episode, uh, describe what this episode is, my apologies again for it being a little while since the last episode. I'll be totally honest, it's just been a absolutely insane couple weeks for me. Um, I'm, and um, in terms of getting on a regular schedule, I'm hoping that, um, not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after, I can get back to doing my once a week release um it's just been a wild uh especially the last week and a half it's been absolutely insane um and it will be probably for the next at least half week maybe after that so um it's a bunch going on in my life so my apologies about that um but 
hoping to just get on a more regular routine. I'm trying to be on a regular routine, at least with the Feeling Groupy blog posts for now, though. And now, as for what we're t- uh, what's going on in this episode, well, this episode, what it, uh, what it is, is something that I teased a little while ago that where I would read an essay and then have a guest come on and we'd discuss the s the topic of the essay and some things within it. So I did this one with my with my typical go to guest, my sister Megan, and we discussed a topic that I find really fascinating. The essay itself is called, uh, we call, I call it The Rotten Tomato Effect, The Disconnect Between Live Reputation and Concert Sales. And basically I wrote this, uh, this essay because I'm absolutely fascinated by several artists who have mixed to, a mixed to poor reputation for their live concerts, but yet still will sell out venues when they uh, when they perform or be on massive tours it's something that absolutely blows my mind so I really wanted to discuss that and it's, it's just something I find really interesting there's a couple other ones that I really want to discuss as well in the future so I'm I ultimately Megan and I both thought that it was a, it was a success doing this one um I was really pleased to do it because admittedly the reason that I came up with it is because, well, I heard it on some other podcast and decided to steal the idea um, to do the essay and then the discussion. So I'm hoping we can implement that in future episodes as well because I I absolutely loved the, loved the format and I thought it was a success. Um, and now we'll segue right into that momentarily. And before we do that, though, I... Because I'm just going to end, have the episode end after the discussion. Um, and the discussion itself is less than 40 minutes long. So it's not, it's certainly not one of my longer episodes. But um, in I do want to tease the next episode, which, well, I haven't recorded it yet. So there could be uh, something drastic happens in music that could change but the next episode one thing that I will be discussing in it is that I have been pushing off for a little bit uh XXL announced their freshman class for 2022 so I'll be discussing that one while there aren't too many while there aren't really too many surprises on it I saw the list and I'm like yeah that's that's a fair list for fair list really um I kind of expected a lot of those arts to be on there um I still want to discuss it so be sure Looking at that, and now we'll segue right into this discussion. I hope you enjoy it as much as Megan and I did. All right, so now we're joined by uh, your favorite guest slash the typical guest we have on here, um, my sister Megan. Megan, how Hi. are you doing? Hi, everybody. I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing all right. Thank you for uh, joining us for this uh weird odd experiment that we're trying um basically be a part of it basically as i discussed earlier uh we're just gonna do uh what we're gonna try is we're gonna try doing an essay that i discussed which one thing that i immediately didn't consider before this is that i am not a fan of reading aloud too much so this will be interesting reading a five to ten minute essay and then uh we'll jump into like a 20 minute conversation in particular i'm setting Right before we start, uh, 
30 mi- a 30 minute timer because this time because it's Sunday morning that we're recording this. I know that's a shock. Normally you hear me saying it's this time night at like 10 or 11. Um, this time it's like not even 930, but we both have things to go to. So uh, it so I'll be setting the 30 minute timer um, momentarily. All right. And then the topic that we're going to be discussing for this essay, actually, we'll let the topic speak for itself, but the title of it is The Rotten Tomato Effect, The Disconnect Between Live Reputation and Concert Sales. And then, um, yeah, so I'll read the essay and then I'll bring Megan back in. You ready? I'm ready. All right. I'll start the timer and then do this. The Rotten Tomato Effect, The Disconnect Between Live Reputation and Concert Sales. On May 22nd, 2022, Connor Oberst shocked, shocked the audience at a Bright Eyes show in Houston when he abruptly left the stage after two songs and never came back out. While the band tried to improvise by having audience members perform karaoke versions of their music, true story, the their attempts to buy time were ill-fated, and the show ended around 30 minutes later. Of course, the first question I, and probably many others, wondered was whether everything was okay and considering the fact that the remainder of the tour has reportedly proceeded without a hitch so far, whether as a one-off occurrence. The next question that many hands who had purchased tickets to other shows on the tour undoubtedly asked was how the May 22nd performance could have impacted their concert experience at future shows. While Bright Eyes has not garnered any sort of poor reputation from prior live shows, as far as I am aware, it makes me intrigued about the fandom of those artists who don't have a stellar reputation as performers, many of whom are currently, or recently, on big tours. Since there are many ways to define a bad performance, I think it is essential to specify what I mean for the purpose of this essay. When I say an artist had a bad performance, quote-unquote, I'm referring to, the, to something that went wrong in the concert, such as vocal issues, members making mistakes, lackluster energy, starting the show noticeably late, or consistent technical issues. I'm not considering a situation where somebody attends a concert for an artist they don't like. For example, I'm not counting a situation where I somehow managed to convince Megan to attend an August Burns Red concert (laughs) with me. July 20th in Hartford. You ready? (laughs) An artist who has a poor reputation typically has had several shows of this nature or a notable show that contains contain major blunders. Although there are examples of artists whose career were hindered due to bad live performances, especially ones that were televised. Take the sun, it's the Saturday, not Sunday night, Saturday night live performances of Ashley Simpson and The Replacements, for example. And as a sidebar, Ashley Simpson, uh, for those who are at home that don't, aren't aware of these two shows, Ashley Simpson, I don't remember the years of these shows, but uh, Simpson performed on SNL. Uh, they did the first track and then they did the second track when suddenly vocal uh a pre-recorded vocal track was pre- playing when their band was performing the second song the vocal pre-recorded vocal track from the first song oh, no. and then further replacements they had a reputation of showing up hammered and uh starting to play uh half-assed cover songs uh near the end of their concerts they forgot their own music um and then forgot the cover songs halfway through well they had this great sound check and then got to and then um they snuck in a bunch of beer and drugs and uh, put on a disaster of a performance that led them to being banned from SNL. Um, so uh, to continue, although they, uh, there are examples of several 
artists whose careers were hindered due to bad live performances, several established artists have found consistent touring throughout their uh, their continued success touring rather throughout the duration of their careers. One of the most notable examples that comes to mind is Red Hot Chili Peppers, a band that is legendary in rock and alternative music, despite the reputation of success of their shows being a bit of a crapshoot. While drug use played a role in hindering members' abilities to play their, to their fullest potential at different points in their career, most notably during a 1992 Saturday Night Live performance of Under the Bridge that was in the wrong key. Yeah. True story. Guitarist John Frusciante played in the wrong key throughout the entire song. Uh, there are still several notable shows in which the instrumentalists seemed quote-unquote off and the vocals of frontman Anthony Kiedis were out of tune. Yet massive festivals and venues are still willing to book them, since their shows still sell out. Another band that falls into this category is Guns N' Roses, a group that is notorious for not showing up on time to their shows and have recently dealt with some vocal issues from vocalist Axl Rose. The most notorious poor performances may have come from Creed, a currently inactive band, though they had a large fan base, including one in which vocalist Scott Stapp's intoxication prevented him from remembering any of the band's song lyrics and ultimately resulted in a lawsuit against the band by four concert attendees. <laughs> Possibly my favorite one of all. Wow. Um, although some acts have managed to avoid vocal issues ruining their live reputation, such as Bring to the Horizon and Dream Theater, a band like Motley Crue hasn't been as lucky. Vocalist Vince Neil's recent struggles in live shows have put him under a microscope to the point where there might be more speculation about if his vocals will ruin a show than there is about the fact that the group is on a reunion tour. Two other notable artists who don't have stellar touring reputations include Snoop Dogg, due to tardiness issues at his shows, and Deftones, due to vocal issues and sporadic energy. That said, there are other artists who have even had poor televised performances that don't seem to have impacted their careers, including Katy Perry, Lana Del Rey, and Greta Van Fleet. This led me to two potential reasons why these acts are still successful the existence of confirmation bias, and, more importantly, fans prioritizing loyalty to artists over quote-unquote bad live performances. When I saw Deftones recently, I knew they had a mixed reputation, to be generous, with respect to their live shows. On this tour, Deftones were following Gojira, an act that has been widely praised for their live shows. After Gojira's impressive sets, Deftones came on and started out their set loud, and with incredibly out-of-tune vocals. Now, admittedly, the loudness might just be me becoming slowly becoming a grumpy old man, but beside the point. <laughs> At, after about three songs, their vocals seemed to improve, and the show got much better from there. Or did it? Initially, I figured that the vocals of vocalist uh, Chino Moreno improved as Moreno had a few more beers. But there, were also, there was also a bit of aided help by the audience reaction, Moreno screaming more at, than singing in later songs, and, most importantly, me buying in. I found myself embracing the energy around me and worrying less about the band's reputation. I think that there is an influence of confirmation bias when looking to see how a live band performs, especially when it comes to vocals since those are often the most obvious to the general viewers. For example, Puddle of Mud gained a reputation as a poor live band due to its viral cover of Nirvana's About a Girl, featuring vocalist Wes Scantlin's out-of-tune vocals, which caused many to overlook the fact that their drummer had the wrong timing for most of the song. Did you hear, did I show you that cover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, the, uh, the, obviously that was the focus because of that, but the drummer was off the entire song. 
Um, not that they had a good rep live reputation prior to that, but beside the point. As such, seeing someone like Vince Neil struggle, somewhat inevitably after years of touring, or Anthony Kiedis be out of tune in any show means that the vocalist respective groups may be viewed as bad live bands. The truth is that every artist is bound to have a bad show at some point, suggesting that anyone trying to quote-unquote prove any act is a bad live band can find a recorded show that serves as quote-unquote evidence. Although this is somewhat natural to do, it isn't fair to the artist, and is a logical fallacy. That said, I believe that this occurs more by individuals who aren't fans and weren't likely to attend a concert anyways, leaving the question open of how fans respond to these performances. Ultimately, I think that fans just don't care as much as people expect they would if an artist is a poor live performer. While you can cite acts like Red Hot Chili Peppers or Motley Crue, who we clearly have a few times already, who are getting still getting attention, I find three acts to be better examples. Creed, due to a lawsuit being filed from a poor live show, Guns N' Roses, who have a reputation of being late to their shows, and the not aforementioned men, uh, group mentioned, probably should have worded that better, but alas, uh, Death Grips, who, had a who have a reputation of not showing up to their shows after a few no-shows, including one at Lollapalooza in 2013. <laughs> um, that just makes me laugh so hard. You probably got in a lot of legal issues for that one. Probably, but that wasn't their first show, <laughs> and wasn't their last. While this can be misconstrued as fans impl as implying fans don't care about how music sounds, I think it more implies that uh, that fans might be more rational than we give them credit for. Although reputation from an act's live performance often develops online, or rationalism is about as rare as the Loch Ness Monster, fans probably realize that every act has bad performances. Nonetheless, most act's performances can still be enjoyable. I heard one story about an Aerosmith concert in which vocalist Steven Tyler's uh, vocals were, were totally out of tune and all the instrumentation was off at one point or another. But when Tyler apologized to the crowd and asked if they were still having a good time, the crowd cheered like crazy. Although there seems to be a natural tendency to find pleasure in other suffering, there is something different about being in, an in the environment of a concert that almost eliminates the need to focus on every little flaw in an artist's performance, a luxury a listener may not have when turning on a recording at home. This coupled with the sound quality not sounding as good on video at smaller venues is uh, is the reason that I stopped recording con uh, uh, recording videos at, co uh, at concerts that I attended. Ultimately, I think I realized what fans seem to realize. Maybe it's better to live in the moment uh, than to provide the internet with ammunition. No matter how good or bad a performance is, the goal should be to have fun and be entertained. Something I think more people realize than I initially expected. Alright, so that's the essay. Now, there's a few ways that I could do this, because we have around 20 minutes remaining. Um, one way is that I can, uh, I could be like, Megan, do you have any instant reactions with this? And I know, like, uh, actually, just give a, giving a shout-out to Megan, she also proofread the essay because I wanted to get another set of eyes on it. So, yes, I thank did. you. Uh, I know you do enjoy doing that as well in your pastime, which is odd That's, to hear, but... <laughs> I mean, it's my job, so I am, I, with what I do for work, that's I spend a lot of my day proofreading other people's work, so this is kind of just second nature to me. 
Fair enough. And, I mean, you were an English major in school. That's, like, me saying that, like, I enjoyed math stuff when I was a math major in school. Yeah, English major in school, um, law student who worked on a a legal publication where he edited all day, so this is no problem at all. Um, I think that, I think my biggest, the biggest reason that I agree with the outcome of your essay Oh, by the way, just to make it clear, Matt was the one who wrote this essay. This oh, yeah. One good, good call. <laughs> that someone else wrote. He wrote this essay. Good point. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I ever said that. I think I just said I was reading an essay. I didn't say I wrote it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I think one of my my big points is um, I think it's really the way that people approach live music. I think inherently there's almost an acceptance of of the way that the music will be performed. So it might not sound exactly like what the record, the perfection that has resulted on a recording, but I think you almost expect less perfection, but not, not consciously. You, you expect some human, humanality almost, I guess, humanness, imperfection, in live music, but that's almost countered by the excitement that you have seeing a band that you otherwise wouldn't have a direct view of um, in like a human way, as opposed to maybe watching them in a music video online um, in going to a concert so much that there's almost like wiggle room, um, you know, with how you're going to critique the performance. It's almost eliminated. And so Mm -hmm. I think like, if we're thinking about things on like a sliding scale, the amount that you're going to be willing to give credit to the audience. So just like in that Aerosmith concert, Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be a lot higher um, because you're going to be so happy and excited about where you are, who you're watching, how close you are to a music act. And also just like all everyone else around you, you know, I think there's something really special about being at a concert with a bunch of people who like you are big fans of the artist. Um, because it's almost like you, it's, it's, it's just like going to a football game, right? Like mm-hmm. you are in a place where the community is a really big part of the experience. And so it just, you know, when I think back in the concerts I've been to, I don't think about the things that might not have gone entirely right. And to, you know, albeit I have never gone to a concert where as far as I can remember, where something went terribly wrong. Oh, you've had better luck than I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been, I think the only one I can really think of where it's not really like something went terribly wrong, but ben, when we when we saw Ben Folds, yeah. Ben Folds le- left the stage after a few songs, and he only played for what? He played 12 songs, 12 I 12 songs, and then he dipped, and we were all like, that's it? Yeah, because I think he was coming back for the encore, because he, uh, for reference, this was at Mohegan Sun in, uh, uh, in, Connecticut, and he uh, he was doing a co-headline show with the Violent, Violent Femmes, Femmes, which was a really random combination. Um, but uh, he did twelve songs, and then I think what happened was because uh, I vaguely remember uh, at one point when Mohegan Sun was taking the piano off, one of the members of his band ran out and looked like puzzled by what was going on. I think what happened was that they were planning on doing an encore, but didn't realize Mohegan Sun has a hard cut off at eleven. Oh, that stinks. Because that's why, for instance, when we saw um, Goo Goo Dolls, I remember, um, you know how, like, prior to their encore, it was only, like, 
five seconds. Yeah, I think they, that like, they walked out quickly. And came right back out. I think they walked out and then quickly realized, wait, it's eleven fifteen. We gotta run out of count till they don't take our stuff off. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, you've had better luck than I have. I mean, I've had a uh, girl that broke her neck, girl that had epileptic seizure, yeah. a tornado that went through music festival. Matt's had a little bit. <laughs> situations those are like no fault of the artists right like those situations where we're aware someone got hurt Mm -hmm. a natural disaster occurred (laughs) yeah um someone was way too drunk like Mm -hmm. you know um and i feel like those are again all sort of like par for the course when it comes to attending live music performances um but at the end of the day, like a, a part, I think the amount of community that you get out of attending a live performance really accounts for a lot of the grace that you as a concert goer are going to give to the things that might not go exactly right. Right. So much so that you might even not consciously notice when things don't go entirely right. When you think about the good concerts that happen, you don't think about the little, like, you know, maybe there was, like, a weird ad-libbing part before one of the songs came on that just, like, didn't hit right with the crowd or something. Or, you know, was a little off or, um, you know, even, like, when a band starts a song and no one's on the same page and then they restart it. Those aren't things that, when you leave a good concert you ever think about after the fact. Right. Now, I mean, I, I was trying to think about my experiences going to the concert, going to concerts. And I think when I saw Foo Fighters in Alaska, they had a, some situation where they started a song and restarted it really shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought about that in over, in the <laughs> year that I've been post concert, right. like 11 months. Uh-huh. Um, because that, to me, that was inconsequential. Right. Because everything else about that concert made up for it. Any sort of hiccup that may have happened, my brain does not consciously recall that thing happening because I had the the energy of the room, the space, the just sheer number of people who were just, it was electric it really was um and i mean they're an awesome live band also so even seeing them make live. even seeing them make like one mistake for a like it just feels like oh okay it's like oh <laughs> this is kind of funny and then uh, they're back to not being human because they're like <laughs> one degree of evolution past us or whatever and even there i i know before you said because i saw them before i had i'd seen a lot before you had i remember i probably set the standard way too high prior to you seeing them, and even still, it sounded like that they lived up to the expectations, which oh, is crazy. I think they probably surpassed it. It was <laughs> one of the best concerts, if not the best, that I've ever been Yeah, to. I would say it's the best I've ever been to. Um, but yeah, and I know a few things to piggyback off that, uh, those comments. Uh, first off, um, one that uh, related to that um, actually is that I, because um, actually I do remember there being two times for me when like either in one case an artist restarted a song, one of them was when I saw Chance the Rapper, which is another artist who's up there for best concert I've ever been to. I'd highly recommend seeing him live. This was before um, um, he came out with that his most recent album. I want to make that clear. Yeah, this good point. Post coloring book. Yeah, post coloring book. When um, at, in, I saw him in twenty seventeen, which fun fact was uh, his first ever uh, 
his first ever Connecticut show, apparently, um, which uh, Megan happened to be out of town and missed out on. Lucky her. I would have loved to see that concert. <laughs> um, when he was still on top of the world at around a time where I said that he and Kendrick Lamar were the two biggest names in hip hop. Um, one of them has changed. One of them hasn't. <laughs> um, and uh, there was one song. I don't remember what song it was. Uh, maybe Angels that uh, he started out and said, you know, I can do this with more energy. Which was funnier because he had was high, that performance. He started out the song with high energy and amazing, and they restarted the song, and it was just like that. I was just like, I think that would wound up on my list of at one point. I made a post of most epic live moments, and that one was on that one because I was just like that is so cool because yeah. he's just like, I can do this better and did it like ten times better, even though it was great before. Um, and the other time is actually when um, because I've seen the band This Wildlife, uh, which is uh, I guess uh, acoustic indie emo group and uh they uh i saw them live twice and when i saw them one time at warp tour uh their lead guitarist accidentally played ended the song with the wrong note <laughs> and no it was an awesome show that no one no everyone's just laughing a little bit mainly because the lead vocalist looked at the because it's a duo looked at the art glad galera as a guitarist when that happened it was like what and then just went on like normal um i feel like sometimes when mistakes are made it almost makes people in the audience like little mistakes it almost makes people in the audience feel closer to the artist Mm -hmm. um and it almost like builds kinship which if anything sort of maybe even is is something that makes the the performance even better right you know as opposed to like not showing up (laughs) yeah that one that was a bit of a mess like being so messed up because mm-hmm. you've done a ton of drugs before you came out. I mean, but even in like those, situ- like, I don't know. I feel like there's still a degree of grace that we give artists because uh-huh. of just like where you are and also the amount of respect that inherently a fan has for a sh- uh, an act. Right. Um, yeah, I, th- I totally agree with you. I, th- um, I think in general, people are more forgiving and probably more sane than people online are, which is, I think is the most obvious statement in the world, probably, especially because the way I've heard described by multiple people is saying that what people are like on Twitter isn't what humanity is like, isn't, does not give a viewpoint of what the majority of people think. Right. Also, I think this applies here. Um, then, uh, it's funny. Cause one question I was going to ask you was if you had been to a show where, uh, uh, that you were disappointed with an act, which I'm that's imp- that's impressive for you that you haven't. There have been a few that I have been. One of them, uh, well, one of them I was the wrong target audience for. Um, it was a free country show at un- during undergrad, and I was <laughs> drunk. Um, basically, then we were just like, oh, this isn't enjoyable. Let's get more drunk and see if it's more enjoyable. We come back, no, it's still not. <laughs> um, so it wasn't that. I'm not going to say that Jenna Kramer was a bad live performer. It was, I think I might've been the wrong audience member for it. And I was not sober. Um, two other ones that actually I was disappointed in. Um, one of them was, oh geez, I can't remember the name of the act. Um, I'll pull, uh, so I'll pull it up while it's saying about the other one. The other ones actually happened to be the one where, um, the, where the, uh, the girl broke her neck at, um, mm-hmm which was the story so far at that one, because the it was really for like a pop punk, like I guess like a slightly modern hardcore kind of sounding group. 
um, it was really low energy, and that was like at a mini festival. So like uh, the um, uh, so I mean there were multiple uh, uh, so like there were multiple acts that were incredible at it, including like the Used, who's a really good live performer, Circus Survive, um, Atreyu. They followed Atreyu, who uh, had put on an amazing set. Um, and then also were before Circus Survive, who also had a great set. Um, so that one, I felt like that the, in particular, the lead vocalist was just like acting like he was too cool for school kind of thing. Well, I wonder then also if that sort of, um, if you, you know, I feel like maybe the fact that inherently in a live performance, the concert goers will have a degree of like we were talking about that degree of grace that's inherent in going and attending a live show. A lot of people were, uh, did seem to love the show. I was just sitting there like, I was not impressed with it. Well, I wonder then if that degree sort of like the glass may be shattered in a situation like a, a festival where you're not like really their big, the act's biggest fan necessarily. Right, right. Um, but also then like, it's also hard when like, the act also doesn't like do any favors for itself. Right. So like when it True doesn't enough. come out on time, that degree of grace might decrease Right. when the act, um, doesn't seem into the performance. That's another example of something where that degree of grace might decrease again. Right. So I don't know. I think maybe like that might be, those might be examples of situations where like, I don't know. We're like, kind of like the glass is shattered almost a little bit. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, and also the other act, I looked it up cause I couldn't remember their name and I didn't want to credit the wrong group. Uh, <laughs> um, split breed. Uh, they're like a hip hop electronic group. Uh, it was at warp tour, a warp tour. We were over there for a lot. I was um, one of my friends and I, it was the warp tour that you didn't go to cause you had mono. Um, yeah, the, your favorite, your favorite summer. Never forget. <laughs> um, and, First summer ever. <laughs> and um, one of my friends and I had went to Warped Tour together that year, which you, I don't think you would have enjoyed that, that Warped Tour as much because what they did was they got a bunch of uh, metalcore acts who were in their prime. Um, and uh, what they decided to do, because I really liked a lot of their, uh, their hip-hop songs, what they decided to do is, instead of performing original songs, they decided to have their DJ do remixes while the, while the rappers... Uh, Stood on stage dancing. <laughs> Five minutes later, we left and went to see August Burns Red, which was probably the best uh, Warped Tour performance I ever saw. That'll do it. <laughs> so I'm glad, and I've seen them multiple times since. Um, but yeah, so uh, the uh, another question that I did want to ask, because I know we're coming close to the 30-minute mark, um, is uh, one act that I mentioned, I know in particular, is one that you have seen. You might have seen others, but uh, Lana Del Rey was one that you did see. Now... Um, because I know you've told me this, but I want the audience for a little bit of a laugh. Um, so first off, what were you expecting from the show? And second off, how did the show go? <laughs> oh, I don't know how I previously had described what I was expecting. Well, I was expecting show. a really mellow calm audience. I'll put it that way. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that's fair. I, you know, you, I thought at the time, so I went and saw Lana Del Rey probably in like 24. 14, yeah, I think you were still in high school then. 2013, maybe. Um, and I, you know, yeah, I went to the concert and had floor tickets. Um, and it was like, I had never really been in like a 
group, uh, such a tight floor section where like you were literally being pushed by everyone around you at any given moment. And everyone was pissed. And did the mosh pit break up at one point? Yeah, people were moshing at one point. (laughs) My favorite thing, a lot of Del Rey show a mosh pit breaks out. Yeah, it was... (laughs) It was very strange. Um, I've been at punk shows where mosh pits didn't even break out, so... (laughs) I think, like, part of it, and maybe, I guess, like, you know, hindsight, 2020. Um... (laughs) Not the I, year 2020, just for reference. Yeah, no, hindsight <laughs> being 2020. Yeah, kind of ironic in that. I, I just think, like, and I, yeah, right, like, this <laughs> concert was several years ago. I think maybe, like, what I should have expected was at that time, Lana Del Rey was in her peak in terms of, <laughs> like, her public perce- perception, persona. Um, and I think really, like, people, you know, I think people should have... Um, should have been a little bit less intense than they were at that concert, but it was a lot of kids and a lot of kids who thought that if they got to the front of the open section, the floor section, then they would be able to like touch her or get her autograph, which she at some points during the concert would come down and kind of touch people's hands. Right. Um, but it became like this weird sort of like just like fight to the death almost um to get to the front or towards the front of that section um right. to a point where the concert was almost like unenjoyable because mm-hmm. it was so insane the second i got out of that little area though i was thriving right um and i really enjoyed the show because it was you know uh, yeah. i really liked lana del rey at that time uh-huh. um it makes sense yeah, so, I don't know. I think, yeah, that was a weird, weird... I'd say probably that was my weirdest concert experience. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, so, I know we're getting close to the 30-minute mark. Um, actually, less than a minute. But, I do have one final question uh, related to this. So, um, and I'll still see the floor to you to if you have any other things you want to talk about that we didn't. Um, so, one that I'm considering doing this either as a future blog post or as a film, uh, in this kind of style, similar kind of thing... Um, one that I find interesting is right now, especially in hard rock and metal, especially hard rock, uh, there is a lot of people who are, uh, who are making a big deal about artists who have pre-recorded vocals and often, uh, especially hard rock groups have been criticized with that. Whereas in other genres, there isn't the same kind of reception. I know in particular at a lot of major sporting events, for instance, a lot of the vocals are pre-recorded at those, um, including, uh, and the timer's about to go off, so I'll stop it, but we'll answer this question and um, go on. But, like, for instance, Whitney Houston's legendary National Anthem, mm. uh, that one was pre-recorded, although she was still singing along with it. Yeah. Um, and then, even and then like, also, there have been a lot of pop shows where the vocals were uh, pre-recorded. I'm not saying pop shows just to deride pop music. I'm just saying just because just there are... I have heard multiple stories about artists. I won't say them here because some of them were off-record. And uh, also, even like electronic music, a lot of the like majority of the shows, like at EDM shows, the majority of them are pre-recorded for two reasons. First off, um, if it's done on a computer, well, what's the odds of a computer glitching mid-show? Mm. Pretty damn high. And then also, uh, if it's not, if it's like necessarily buttons, there's only, I mean, you only have two hands. I know Avicii had given an interview at one point uh, 
where he was saying that when he's he often will be doing buttons, but the buttons he's pushing are the volume controls during the show, just because there's there would be too much for him to push at one time. So my major question with that that I'm wondering, which I'll go into more depth later on, but do you think that's possible that different artists or different fans of different genres might have different expectations of live shows and even might have different tolerances of standards? Yeah, I mean, I feel like by age and by... Ooh, age is a good point also. Right, I think age and also, um, you know, like, by just type of vibe of the group, right, Mm -hmm. of the actual, like, you might be getting more people that are less willing to kind of, like, rage out or have a good time and just, like, are there to have, like, that, that people, there are some people who might put the music and the quality of the music before the whole experience, whereas other artists that might do the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about, like, going to a classical show. True. Like very different. People who are going to see a violinist are probably there to listen to the music and not there to dance along to the music and scream and scream every lyric and you know, get up on someone's shoulders and like, you know, are less more traditional if we're thinking like Woodstocky sort of energy. Right. Right. And so I think that No nudity at classic show classical shows. I would think not. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, like, you know, that's fine. Um, I just think like I think that also artists understand their 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 audiences, at least to some degree. Right. Um, and so they know what the audience the audience wants. That's why, you know, a lot of like boy bands have like choreography in- incorporated mm-hmm. in their actual um, and their actual performances, right? And, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, um, I think that it's fine that some bands are still trying to, or like maybe even pushing the line a little bit with how mm-hmm. far they can really go. Right. Um, I think though at the end of the day, it really kind of all comes down to like, how are you going to make this experience enjoyable for your audience? Uh-huh. And if coming out late isn't going to hinder that, if coming out drunk isn't going to hinder that in a significant way, it, you know, if, if that's what gets these artists to be able to come out and perform a show, then who am I to say that they're doing it wrong? Right. Um, as long as it's not, you know, obviously like in harming themselves or others. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also, like, some acts just have so much notoriety that um, being able to see them is really a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a lot of people. And so that opportunity isn't necessarily going to be squandered by someone having a mixed reputation in terms of their live performances. Yeah, I will say um, that would have been the perfect way to cap it off, but instead Matt has two quick sidebars. Um, first off, uh, it is kind of funny that, um, you mentioned classical after electronic, which just because, uh, fun little thing that early electronic music was actually inspired by, uh, classical music to the point where early electronic music was often performed by, uh, composers who wanted to experiment with stuff. Um, and yet it's, it's funny how then that you, if, if you didn't look throughout the history of each little step that now you look at EDM being like, I don't see this coming from classical music when in actuality, um, and uh, the other, and I do want to say one quick clarification thing that I meant to say earlier. Um, when I say that, like, it might be bad because an artist didn't perform with a lot of energy, that also depends on the act and the genre. 
um, which I think you had alluded to in classical, which I think is important because, um, and there are certain artists, like not even just classical artists, but like in different genres that are known for performing at a, in a low, uh, at lower energy, mm. which that's not really something people look at in that case. Like I know there are some blues artists, for instance, that do perform at and lower energy, like radiars, and people really do focus more on the music or like the message kind of stuff like that. And uh, they still do have a great reputation live. So, Megan, I'll give you the floor. Do you have anything else that you want to mention? Any surprise questions for me? I know we're both like, we probably have to go soon, but... No, I'm all good. I think this was a great episode. All right, awesome. Well, Megan, thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to uh, like the Facebook pages for Groupie and Harmony is Baller Trademarked Yet. Check out the blogs for uh, Feeling Groupie and Is Baller Trademarked Yet. And thank you very much, Megan. You're welcome. And anyways, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one as much as we seem to. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.